Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. Hello, and thanks for loading us up today. You know, last week we did a show on iTunes misconceptions, which proved to be pretty popular. Thank you. And so with that in mind, we're planning a few more episodes about iTunes to scatter in over the coming months. But we wanted each episode to focus on specific areas of iTunes usage. For instance, we want to do a show just on syncing. So if you have some iTunes topics you want us to explore, the contact form at thenexttrack.com is awaiting your input. Meanwhile, this is episode number 50 of The Next Track, and today we invited Paul Kafasis to join us. You may know Paul as the co-founder of Rogue Amoeba Software. Both Kirk and I are big fans of their products like Fission and Audio Hijack and Airfoil and others. Paul, thanks for joining us on The Next Track. That's good to be here. Thank you. Paul, we wanted to talk to you on the show because you are the streaming expert. Of all the people that we know in the tech world, you're the guy who knows the most about streaming audio. And now we're not talking about streaming like Spotify and Apple Music. We covered that a few episodes ago with Chris Conacher of ComputerAudioFile.com, and I'll link in the show notes. But you know about streaming in the home. We've gotten a lot of requests from our listeners to talk about streaming over AirPlay, Bluetooth, and Googlecast. And we wanted to have you on the show to find out what's the difference between these protocols, what are the pros and cons, how do they work, and what's the best way to get music from your stereo to a speaker. All right. Well, well, now you've oversold me. Uh, I, I know a little bit about this. I can I can at least talk intelligently about it. I don't want to be. I, I don't know that I'm the expert on it, but uh, hopefully I can I can provide a little bit of insight on this. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start in alphabetical order because that kind of makes sense, and it also seems to be logical in terms of audio quality to start with AirPlay, the first one. So AirPlay is an Apple protocol. Back in the day, it used to be called AirTunes. And this goes back to iTunes 5 or 6 or something. That's right. It's quite old. Yeah, maybe even older. Yeah, it's years, a decade. AirPlay works with Apple devices. So you can stream from, say, my iMac to my Apple TV. I can stream from my iPhone to an AirPort Express with a speaker connected to it. So you've got a lot of flexibility. But I can also stream to my Yamaha receiver, which is on the shelf next to me. And I discussed that in an episode a few weeks ago when we talked about how to connect your computer to your stereo to get sound to it. So how does AirPlay work exactly? Well, so AirPlay is just sending audio wirelessly between supported devices. Uh, the you, 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 you touched on it. The origin of it was getting iTunes music out to physical stereos. So I think you're right, it is over a decade. I think it's about 2004 when AirPlay, AirTunes first came out. And the incentive for Apple was to get purchased music at that point, tracks, 99 cent music tracks from the iTunes music store. Uh, people were buying this music and they had it on their computer, but for, what are we talking, 50 years, you've had a high quality stereo with your record player and then your CD player, cassette player, all these all these different devices, you've had a high quality stereo and often bookshelf speakers or even bigger speakers. And then you had your computer off in the corner. And suddenly, if your computer is the source of your music, uh, you're going to say, well, I want to get it to these speakers. And so Apple said, all right, we're going to make this protocol called AirTunes, which is now AirPlay. And we're going to make the Airport Express was the first uh, AirTunes device, AirPlay device. And it basically, you plugged it in, it, was a, it is uh, a wireless router that also receives this audio. And iTunes would say, okay, let me look around. There's a, an output and I can send my audio to it. And so if you're purchasing this music from iTunes, you can now listen to it uh, on these speakers. 
So that's what it was 13 years ago. And since then, it's grown tremendously the way that you described. It's uh, embedded in all sorts of third-party devices like your Yamaha receiver. Uh, I, I forget how many different companies. It's, it's a couple do dozen different companies that uh, have support for AirPlay built into their hardware uh, receivers. And then there's dozens of speakers as well, that uh, standalone speakers that receive audio that way. But so, I mean, the short answer to your question is, is it's uh, wirelessly sending audio to just about any type of device you can think of in terms of receivers, standalone standalone speakers, um, components that you can hook up to your TV, like the Apple TV, basically a way to get audio all around your house uh, in a way that wasn't possible before this. Well, one of the advantages to AirPlay is the Apple Express that you can connect any speaker to it. And this means that you can stick an Apple Express in your bedroom and put a small powered speaker connected to it. Another advantage to AirPlay is that you don't have any distance limitation, which you do with Bluetooth, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Bluetooth is limited to about 10 meters or 30 feet, whereas AirPlay, since it goes over your Wi-Fi network to your router and then to the device, it can be any device that's on your network. Yeah, absolutely. So like you just said, Bluetooth has these limitations and, and AirPlay is designed to play over your... I, I, I misspoke slightly. It's not just wireless. You can have a wired connection to these things. But in general, over your home network, which can expand from you know 150 feet to if you have a huge property or, or a huge house, uh, you know hundreds upon hundreds of feet, uh, as long as there's an internet signal, it'll be able to transport that audio across it. Yeah. And as I explained in, in the episode about connecting computers to stereos, I stream from my iMac via AirPlay. So it bounces to my router, which is in another room. Then it goes into uh, an Ethernet hub, an Ethernet cable, a power line adapter. Then it flits around the power cables and comes out another power line adapter right. with an Ethernet cable into my receiver, which is three feet away. Now, <laughs> when, when we did the show, we discussed this as a bit of a Rube Goldberg, but it means that I don't have to have something coming out of the headphone jack in my iMac. Right, absolutely. And that alone makes it worth it for me. Yeah. One of the remarkable things is how much you can do with this and, and how... Uh, flexible it is. So you can have a, a crazy setup like that to get your audio three feet, or you can have a setup that uh, gets audio to 10 different rooms around your house uh, with all wireless and, and basically anywhere anywhere that you want to put audio, if you're willing to spend a little bit of money, you can now get it from your computer to those devices. So I have a question about AirPlay, and I've never tested this, and I suppose it'd be easy enough to try, but are there any latency issues with AirPlay? For instance, I send the audio to, let's say, four different AirPlay devices around my house. Will I be able to walk from room to room and hear the audio without delay between each device? Yeah, AirPlay is definitely designed to play in sync across multiple devices. Uh, so the initial, this is again a history lesson too, the initial implementation of AirTunes only played to one device. So it was from your Mac to your stereo with an Airport Express and that was it. And uh, about a year and a half, two years later, uh, Two things happened. Our company released a product uh, called Airfoil 2, which lets you play to multiple outputs in sync. Uh, and Apple updated the protocol such that it worked in sync. And so we had this is this is history of our company too. We had about an eight-day period where we had this solution that was awesome, and you could send to multiple outputs. And we'd worked for six months on this, and and you know we we reverse engineered a bunch of stuff, and and it was crazy that it worked. And then eight days later, or something like that, Apple said, "Here you go. Here it works with multiple devices, and uh, this is how it should have been all along." And we said, you know, hell. 
uh, <laughs> that was a whole lot of effort for eight days of lead time, and ultimately we we switched to supporting the way that they did it. But uh, so that's that's just uh, a decade ago that I'm still this at least this bitter about. I'd be willing to bet that hell was not the most severe exclamation you <laughs> uttered. All right, so we even said heck, uh, but. Uh, to answer your question, you absolutely can uh, send to, like I said, two, three. Uh, I'm trying to think the most we've seen uh, streamed, but you know, easily to a handful of devices, if not a dozen, two dozen. It, it'll really depend on your network uh, and your network throughput. Uh, but it's all designed to play in sync uh, between devices so that you can do just what you said. You can walk from room to room. You can go from floor to floor of your house, and uh, you're not going to hear grossly different parts of the audio are even different at all. Uh, the biggest issue is you need a properly performing network. And if there's, uh, if you have a lot of bandwidth being used up on something else, if you're transferring a file between computers or something, you might get skipping, stuttering. You might have audio problems uh, that way. But certainly, if things are working as they should, you should be able to hear audio in sync multiple outputs and it's it's pretty great actually we'll talk more about your app airfoil a little bit later but i do want to mention that one of the great things about airfoil is it can turn any mac into an airplay receiver so back when i still had a wired connection and an older amplifier so my imac connected by wire to an amplifier i would sometimes sit back there in the comfy chair and want to listen to a podcast but i listen to my podcast using overcast on my iphone mm -hmm. so what i would do is i would have airfoil running and i would airplay to my imac which would then play into the stereo yeah absolutely so just to yeah you, you mentioned airfoil airfoil is a product that uh, my company rogue amoeba makes that enables you to send audio throughout the house and in multiple ways it basically is sort of an extension of airplay and more beyond that uh and one of the things that you just mentioned was turning your mac into a receiver so we talked about hardware devices you can have an airport express you can have an apple tv you can have a yamaha receiver all these different hardware devices that receive audio but in order for your mac to receive audio you need to have software that does that uh, it doesn't do it by default the, the operating system doesn't support that and uh, we have a tool called airfoil satellite which is part of our airfoil application and that will basically make your mac appear as uh, an airplay receiver so if you're on your iphone it can send audio from your iphone to your mac and if you're on another mac and you want to send between macs we have people that uh They'll send audio to an entire lab worth of computers and people are on headphones or uh, offices where we have people, multiple people DJing and they'll have different listeners. Uh, if everybody's using headphones, you'll have, you know, uh, this wing of the office is listening to you and a different wing is listening to somebody else. It's uh, just a very cool way to extend uh, AirPlay and extend this wireless audio streaming. And another thing you can do, and, and I know a lot of people... Probably a number of our listeners use Mac Minis as, as media centers. So if you've got a Mac Mini connected to a stereo amplifier or an AV amplifier, you could airplay directly to that Mac Mini if your amplifier doesn't offer airplay. Right, right. There's certainly, I, at this point, there have been airplay amplifiers for maybe a decade even, but... Uh, there's certainly plenty of people with an amplifier that's high quality that don't need to replace it for any particular reason. And, and that's like you just said, there's there's all sorts of ways to extend it using something like a Mac Mini, using all, all, all sorts of different additional hardware instead of replacing things. When I bought my current receiver I have in my office, the Yamaha RN301, I looked around and there weren't that many AirPlay compatible receivers at this price point. This is like a $200 receiver. And I previously had a Denon, which had AirPlay, and it was horrible, and I had to return it because it just dropped out all the time. And I learned something back then, that AirPlay over wire is a lot more reliable than AirPlay 
over Wi-Fi, in part because a lot of these amplifiers have really crappy Wi-Fi antennas, so their network reception isn't very good, and you get a lot of dropouts. And I do get the occasional dropout with this, but it's more of a router issue. And if I just reboot my router, everything's fine. Yeah, it's a, you touched on something that's, I guess it's fairly obvious if you think about it. Uh, wired connections are almost always more reliable than wireless, uh, just because that's the nature of the two connections. Wired is going to be faster. Wireless is very fast nowadays. It's great. Uh, I don't have... I'm, thinking about it. I don't think I have any wired connections in my house, but it's not quite as reliable as it would be if I were running Ethernet cable around the whole house. And the, the trick is that, or, or sort of the, the rub is that wireless audio streaming seems fairly simple, but it's sending a tremendous amount of data when you're streaming this audio around the house because networks can support that. When you stream wireless, you mentioned, you know, Spotify, uh, iTunes streaming, whatever. Those are... V I shouldn't say they're low quality, but they're fairly low quality compared to what you're streaming around your house. And it uses a whole lot less bandwidth. So when you're doing something like AirPlay, it's using a lot more bandwidth and then you're going to have dropouts occasionally if you have problems on your network. One thing that's worth noting is when you're using AirPlay to stream, let's say from iTunes, um, iTunes converts your audio into an Apple lossless stream and then sends it to the AirPlay device. So this means that if you do have Apple lossless files, you retain that quality, you don't lose anything. So that brings us to Bluetooth, where streaming is not quite the same quality and the distance over which you can stream with Bluetooth is a lot less. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the basic summary is, well, and you, you missed one point is, so the distance is a lot smaller. You can send about 30 feet, 10 meters, like you said. Uh, the quality is a lot lower. Uh, depending on what you're listening to, you may or may not notice, but if you listen to the two of them side by side, I think most people would probably be able to tell the difference, which is often not the case when you're talking audio file type things. But the third thing that is is a fairly obvious consequence of that is that it's a lot cheaper. Uh, Bluetooth devices, you can get, let's see, looking around my office, I think I've got about four different test devices that were probably all under 30 bucks. So you can get a little standalone speaker that uh, sounds certainly good enough for listening on the beach or, you know, out on your deck or something uh, that costs $20, $30. You can get more expensive devices, but I think probably the most expensive Bluetooth receiver I've seen is maybe a couple hundred bucks and they've certainly come down in price, and there's thousands of them out there. There's tens of thousands of these devices that are all uh, at least decent quality. Uh, so it's to me, in, in my mind, they're, they're, they've always sort of been two different uh, price points and two different... Uh, two different use cases. Yeah, exactly. Two different use cases where if you want to have tremendous audio all around your house and you're, you live in this house, you don't rent, and you're going to live there for 5, 10, 20 years, spend a few hundred bucks and get some AirPlay devices and uh, maybe even a thousand bucks and get you know uh, a good quantity of devices that are high quality. Uh, if you just want to have, I've got, a, I've got a speaker in my shower. Uh, and as far as I know, there's no waterproof uh, AirPlay speakers, but there's waterproof Bluetooth speakers. And I think it was $25. And I can set my iPhone up to Bluetooth audio to my speaker and I can listen to music or podcasts in the shower. Uh, and that's, you know, it's, it's a different use case and it's much cheaper to send audio to just one little speaker that uh, sits in a corner somewhere. And uh, it doesn't sound great, but uh, it, it sounds acceptable for, for what I need it to. One of the things that rubs me the wrong way about Bluetooth is the pairing process. And then if I want to use another device, I have to pair it. Or if it's been a few days between uses, or even, even if I've gone out of range sometimes, you've got these awkward few seconds where you have to pair it again. And a lot of the time I'm thinking, I wonder if this is going to work. <laughs> isn't, there, isn't there some way for a Bluetooth receiver to better remember, 
you know, past pairings. You know what I mean? Well, there's one exception, and I just held up for so you both could see it, my Apple AirPods, and that's the one exception that sort of pair immediately. I, can't, I, I expect Apple to release some standalone speakers using the same technology soon, but they haven't yet. So to answer Doug's question, I don't think so. You always have this delay when you're pairing, don't you? Yeah, I mean, so for instance, that that shower speaker I mentioned, it's the only thing, I, I only use it with an iPhone. And when I pop my iPhone on and I just tell it, send to that device and it always sees that device. Uh, so that's fairly simple. But yeah, if you're if you're talking about moving around the house and switching devices and uh, it's Bluetooth is not a protocol that's designed to send to multiple devices. It's not designed to sort of remember the way that AirPlay does. AirPlay devices, I guess, by and large, are always on. Uh, so then they're always available. So, you know, your receiver is at least often always on. And, and when you power the receiver on, AirPlay will turn on with it. Um, whereas Bluetooth is something to me that, you know, it's... I, I view Bluetooth more as a portable solution. So I guess that's sort of a difference is a whole lot of Bluetooth devices, uh, the majority of them definitely are small portable speakers. So it's something that... Uh, one of the first ones was the Jambox and one of their uh, first big ones. And one of their sort of marketing points was take this on vacation with you. You get to a hotel room and you want to listen to some music or a podcast. Uh, just set this down and it'll work. Uh, and, you know, if it's your device, you'll always be paired with it. But like you said, if you have guests coming over, if you have someone else that wants to send music to it, uh, there's definitely much more of a setup issue. And uh, it's it's not nearly as smooth as sending with AirPlay is. You're absolutely right about that. And some Bluetooth devices are also very large and have four wheels. And that's actually very practical for Bluetooth. Took me a second there. I got it now. You're talking about vehicles having Bluetooth <laughs> built in. You see, I have not one but two new cars. And this is the first time I've had any cars with Bluetooth. Okay. And it does have that sort of lag when you turn on the car and to get the connection. But it is the ideal place to use Bluetooth because your phone is never more than a few feet away from wherever the antenna is, someplace in the dashboard. You don't really care about the audio quality when you're in a car, not as much as you would um, at home. And it just, it does seem to work relatively smoothly. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a great point. I that I because uh, I, I currently don't have Bluetooth in my car, so I had not not uh, it doesn't really enter my mind. But that's absolutely uh, one of the places that people use it a lot is not needing to plug their phone into an auxiliary input. And uh, if you don't have CarPlay, uh, if you just have Bluetooth on your stereo, which you can get in an aftermarket stereo now for for very little money, and uh, it's a great way to get audio from your phone to your car speakers, which it it sort of harkens back to that problem of getting music from your Mac to your stereo. Uh, in your home, it's sort of the same problem in your car. Now you've got this device that has all your music, sits in your pocket. How do you get it to your car speakers? And uh, Bluetooth is, is pretty much the solution there, absolutely. So what about Bluetooth audio quality? Is there a, a lossless equivalent of Bluetooth? As I understand, all Bluetooth audio is compressed in one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to look up the numbers, but Bluetooth streaming is, is fairly, it uses fairly low bandwidth. And as a consequence, you get fairly low quality audio. Um, it'll depend on the speaker you, you're using. Certainly some speakers sound better than others, but uh, none of them are going to sound as good as an AirPlay output can or as you know uh, uh, any other lossless output can. It's fairly low quality, uh, but like you said, if you're in a car, if you, especially if you've got the windows down, or you know, you're not going to be too concerned with it. It's, it's certainly not anything where it sounds horrific. Uh, it just doesn't sound tremendous. But you know, the trade-off is that it's fairly easy to use and fairly inexpensive. Okay, so in, in our ABCs of streaming audio, we've done AirPlay, Bluetooth, and now we get to Cast, also known as Google Cast. They're the new kid on the block. As far as I understand, Google Cast is lossless audio, 
and it seems to work in a similar way to AirPlay. It's it's a bit too new to be included in devices like um, receivers and all that, but you can buy a Chromecast for something like $30. It's relatively cheap. Yep. So, I mean, I, I shouldn't oversimplify their marketing for them, but Google Cast and the Chromecast are basically Google's answer to AirPlay and the Apple TV. And we should at least touch on it. AirPlay has expanded to video as well, and now it's a way to get video all around your house, uh, not just audio. And the Chromecast is very much the same thing. If you have content on your computer that you want to watch on your TV or you know, on your phone that you want to watch on your TV or basically content that you want to move around the house without copying files and uh, having a Mac mini hooked up to your to your uh, TV. Uh, these are protocols that let you let you get that content around. And so Google Cast is basically a way to, to move audio and video between these devices, much like AirPlay is. Yeah, I, I didn't touch on video yet because basically we're focusing on audio here. But if you have, say, an iPad and an Apple TV, you know you can stream the video and the audio from one to the other. And, and Google Cast is similar. But is Google Cast, is it the same quality lossless? It works over your Wi-Fi router like AirPlay? So pretty much it's just a copy of AirPlay with the Google branding. Well, there's, I mean, there's a little more to it. So uh, Cast can be lossless. It does not have to be though. Uh, so they can do compression, uh, whereas AirPlay is always lossless, which means you're actually going to use up bandwidth on your local network, which potentially you get dropouts and, and skips and things like that. So that's uh, the, the upside is obviously perfect audio quality. The downside is potential network issues. Uh, so Cast has a little more flexibility in that regard. So I'm not sure I understand what you mean by flexibility. Do you mean it, it can handle different bandwidths or something? So the, the difference is actually whatever you're playing with. So if you're running Spotify on the Cast, it'll just... Uh, let's. I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe this because it's, it's fairly complicated. And as a user, you never run into this. So I don't know. Have either of you actually used a Chromecast device thus far? I bought one and I connected it to my stereo once and... I couldn't figure out how to get audio from my iPhone and I put it in a drawer and I need to take it out and I should have done it for this episode. Yeah, same story. Bought it, tried it. I couldn't figure it out in my 15 second I get it threshold and so I put it in a drawer. It's it well that's just it. It's 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 a different uh mental model than AirPlay. So AirPlay is you plug something in, suddenly it appears as an endpoint as an output for your audio and you say send my audio there and you hear your audio. It's great. Google Cast, especially with an iPhone, it's not built into the OS the way AirPlay is because it's a Google protocol and an Apple device. So you need to open a specific app. So if you open Spotify on your phone, it will say, oh, I can see you have a Google Chromecast. Do you want me to send your audio there? So the difference that I'm trying to uh, sort of explain is that when you send Spotify from your phone to an AirPlay output, your phone gets the audio, and then your phone says, now send this audio on to the AirPlay device. Uh, and it basically relays from the internet to your phone to the device. When you use Spotify with a Chromecast from your phone, your phone actually does not receive that audio. It doesn't get forwarded on from the phone. Spotify on the phone will talk to the Chromecast. It'll say, hey, Chromecast, start streaming this from the internet. So it sort of acts as a remote control, but there's not it's not sitting in the middle grabbing that audio. And this is basically only a technical detail. As a user, you don't necessarily really notice this. Uh, apps that support Chromecast or Cast on the phone or on the Mac, uh, they look like they're receiving the audio and passing it along. So you'll still see on the phone, oh, I'm listening to you know, Mozart, whatever I'm listening to, but the phone is not technically receiving audio and it's not passing that audio along. It's just telling the device what to do. 
Uh, and so that that goes back to the question of you know how does that streaming work? So Spotify is running on the Chromecast itself, uh, the same way that you run Spotify on your phone or Spotify on your Mac. And Spotify is saying, okay, give me a stream of this audio, uh, and so you'll get a compressed stream there because that's what Spotify provides. So so that means that you can only use Chromecast with apps that are installed on the Chromecast. Right, exactly. So uh, outside of using Airfoil, which we can touch on, but yeah, an app needs to have support for the Chromecast. So when a phone app, say, says we have Chromecast support, it will basically invisibly install an app on the Chromecast such that that app can then pull audio from the internet. Again, it's a technical implementation detail. As a user, it doesn't really impact you, but it is a way that the protocols are different and the way that the, the functionality of them is similar, but behind the scenes is very different. Well, you touched on Airfoil again, and, and I said we'd come back to it. So tell us, Airfoil can handle all three of these protocols, right? Can it handle Bluetooth? Yep, absolutely. So it handles Airplay, Bluetooth, and Cast. How exactly does Airfoil work? And give us the use case for someone. Airfoil is basically the Swiss army knife of streaming then. Is that it? That's certainly, that's become the goal. So uh, 10, 13 years ago, we said, okay, Apple made it possible for you to send iTunes to your stereo, but people listen to audio a lot of different ways. Pandora was around back then, and that was that was a big one. People are listening to Pandora on their Mac, and they say, well, I've got these great speakers over here. I want to send audio to them. I can send my iTunes to them. Why can't I send other things? And we said, all right, let's 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 make a tool that does that. And as this you know whole house audio movement sort of blew up over the past decade or so, uh, Airfoil sort of grew along with that, such that Initially, it only worked with the Airport Express the same way iTunes did. And then Apple said, okay, we've got the Apple TV too. You can send audio to that. And then they said, okay, we've got these third-party speakers. You can send to those. Uh, and because they were all AirPlay and we already supported that protocol, Airfoil worked the same way. So if you have audio on your Mac, uh, Pandora, Spotify, those are those are two of the biggest use cases, certainly, is people listening to streaming audio via Pandora or Spotify. Uh, if you want to get that audio to your stereo, you can do it with Airfoil. And then much more recently, uh, I guess, what is it? It's, it's April 2017, so I guess a little over a year ago, we added support for Bluetooth. Um, basically, we saw that there's this high-end or at least medium-end thing, AirPlay, where people are sending high-quality audio around their house, but people also have all these $30 devices that they want to send audio to. And with your Mac, you can tell your Mac, let me just send audio from my Mac to that device. Uh, but with Airfoil, you can say, you know what, I don't want to send all my audio. I have uh, speakers hooked up to the Mac that I want to hear my system alerts and, uh, and whatever else, but I just want to send music to this Bluetooth speaker. So that's the only thing I want to hear from it. And with Airfoil, you can say, okay, just send Spotify or just send even iTunes uh, to that device. And it works pretty much the same way, but it allows you a little more granularity as far as just send this application. And actually also, that's uh, this, is, this is something that we did was adding support for sending to multiple Bluetooth speakers. So you still have that limitation of, of about 30 feet, like you said, but you might have two or three speakers in that range and Airfoil will let you send to multiple Bluetooth outputs. So it can be a pretty cheap way to get multi-room audio if, uh, again, in a small enough space. Uh, but it's it's another way to extend that. Uh, so like you said, uh, the Swiss Army knife of streaming is sort of just trying to do everything that we can as far as what people want to send around their house. So here's a use case. I put a chair outside in front of my house, right? Um, I, I live in a farmhouse. I've got fields across from me, so I can sit out there. And if I have a little Bluetooth speaker, but I want to listen to something that's not on my iPhone, I could install Airfoil on my Mac. I could 
run the audio using Apple's remote app to control iTunes, to send it to Airfoil, to send it to the Bluetooth speaker. Absolutely, yes. You can, And you can come up with even more convoluted setups than this. And we have, I shouldn't say we've seen them all, because every so often we see someone doing something crazy and, and we say, wow, that's, I can't believe somebody set that up, but I'm glad it works and, and awesome. Uh, but yeah, we've seen all sorts of setups where, you know, people are using their phone to control their computer, to listen to audio on a speaker, using their phone to control their computer, sending audio all around the house. Basically, if, if you want to send audio around your house, you want one of these protocols, AirPlay, Bluetooth, or Chromecast. AirPlay is certainly, for my money, the best of the three right now, just because of all the devices that are supported and the, the uh, longevity of the protocol. Bluetooth is a good, inexpensive solution, and Chromecast is sort of just emerging on the market. But uh, one of these protocols will help you get audio all around your house. And if you are willing to, to figure it out, you can set up whatever you want because uh, it's basically just audio streaming through the air and you just need to figure out how to pull it down. So, so when this started more than a dozen years ago, it seemed like it was a bit of a, it seemed like it was just a gimmicky thing, right? But now, I mean, everyone does this. Everyone streams audio. What do you think the future is for this? Oh, that's a good question. Well, your rogue amoeba um, research and development team must be planning for some sort of future. <laughs> well, so the big thing we did recently, like I said, about a year ago, we added Bluetooth support, and about uh, geez, about only about six months ago, we added Chromecast support. Uh, so sending audio from your Mac to the to the Cast devices we were talking about. So if anything, right now we've just added a couple protocols that sort of work very similarly and uh, just sort of expand the user base as far as. Uh, if people are using one protocol and not another, hopefully Airfoil will still work for them because now we've added these new protocols. Longer term, that's interesting. It, it is increasingly common. And, and we, we don't have time to talk about Sonos, which is a totally different protocol, and, and it's a bit of a walled garden. But I, I think it's increasingly common among music lovers to use some sort of streaming system. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, like you said, it started out, I wouldn't necessarily say it started out as a gimmick, but it started out as something that people didn't know why they would use wireless audio. Uh, some people said, okay, I've got this music on my computer and I want to get it to my stereo. That was basically Apple's use case. But people have found all sorts of new use cases. Like I said, it's ridiculous to have a speaker in your shower, but it cost me 25 bucks and it works. So <laughs> why wouldn't I do that? Uh, and it's kind of ridiculous to listen to audio coming from your Mac out in a chair in your front yard. But right. if you can do it and it's relatively inexpensive and you're happy about it, great. So I guess it's something where... It's already opened up all these sorts of different things because it's so much easier than, you know, it used to be you'd run speaker wire around your house if you wanted to do this. And that would cost hundreds or thousands of dollars to run it through the walls uh, and take forever. And uh, you didn't have flexibility in terms of, oh, I'm rearranging the room. Now I got to rerun the wires. Uh, with this, as long as you have a power outlet, you just move your speaker or you move your receiver and it's wirelessly receiving that audio. So it's a lot more flexible. So yeah, I, I don't want to, I, I don't know that I necessarily have an idea for what's coming. I think it's interesting to look at just how far it's come already uh, in terms of making it so flexible. Uh, almost anything that uh, could be classified as a computer can receive audio and then a whole lot of hardware standalone devices can also receive audio. Uh, whereas, like you said, a dozen years ago, it was one thing, and 15 years ago, it was zero things. So Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Paul, for joining us. You've made things a lot clearer. So if anyone still has doubts, go for AirPlay first and Bluetooth if you're sitting out by the pool or whatever. Good to have you, Paul. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it was a great show. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for uh, having me. And now we'll take a couple of minutes here before we wrap it up and give you our next tracks. Kirk, what do you got teed up? For this week's next track, I went back pretty much about 50 years to 
the Moody Blues album, Days of Future Past. Now, we're going to have a guest in a few weeks to talk about the history of progressive rock. And, and that's what made me listen to this album on Apple Music. It seems like this might be the first progressive rock album ever. If you remember the album, it's got an orchestra on a lot of it. And it's got some great songs like Nights in White Satin and Tuesday Afternoon. But it's a, a very strange album with the orchestra and with some poetry spoken over the music at times. I had this album back in the 70s, and I did listen to it a fair amount, and, and several other Moody Blues albums. I, I, I liked a lot of their music. I think it doesn't age extremely well. It was relatively unique when it came out in 1967, but now it sounds more like an experiment, and these somewhat chintzy orchestral arrangements don't sound as unique as they did back then. But if you haven't listened to this, give it a listen. This is really a classic album, and it did set the tone for a lot of pop-slash-progressive rock music that was to come in the following years. So it's called Days of Future Past by the Moody Blues. What about you, Doug? My next track is David Lindley's first solo album called El Rayo X, or as I often think of it, El Rayo X, because that's how they sing a song named El Rayo X on the album, uh, which is also the name of the band he put together for the album. David Lindley, if you don't know, is a multi-instrumentalist who performed with a number of artists, but most notably with Jackson Brown. In fact, if you know the classic FM radio track, The Loadout, from the uh, Running on Empty album, that's Lindley doing the really high vocal on Stay at the end. Jackson Brown also produced this album in 1981, and it's really one of my favorite sounding records. Everything's very tight, very well recorded, but it still has a great feeling of spontaneity. It's an album, actually, where... Every song is a little gem. There's some great reggae-fied Zydeco and Cajunated covers here, like the Isley Brothers Twist and Shout, the Everly Brothers Bye Bye Love, a really rockin' Mercury Blues with uh, some nicely distorted lap steel guitar, the Tuberca Lucas and the Sinus Blues, Peter Tosh's Don't Look Back, and, and a bunch more, some really nice originals too. In fact, the more I think about it right now, this is really a terrific record. It's David Lindley's El Rayo X, and it's my next track. This has been The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. You can find show notes and links to some of the things we talked about in this and other episodes at thenexttrack.com. There's also a contact form there you can use to send us comments. If you like the show, we hope you'll subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please think about giving us a review or rating. We'd appreciate that. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>